guests, or our next speaker is Dr. Pat Rennell, convener of Fairtrade Investment Network, AFTINET. Um, Pat's also a research fellow at the University of Sydney. Um, she will speak about the Fairtrade agreement, agreement currently being negotiated behind closed doors, without oversight of Parliament, let alone the public. It's called the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, known as RECP. Pat has some disturbing things to say about that negotiation and previous agreements, the impact of the trade dispute provisions, um, investor state dispute settlement provisions, etc. I'll hand over to Pat. Okay, thank you very much for that introduction, and I'd like to acknowledge too that we're here on the land of the Darugan, Darug and Gunlingara people. Apologies for my pronunciation, but it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, so, um, my organisation, AFTINET, is a network of 60 community organisations and unions, and we advocate for fair trade based on human rights, labour rights and environmental sustainability. We're not opposed to trade, but we want trade to be based on those principles. Um, so, our members include a lot of unions, um, the ACTU and about 20 national unions and state unions, Groups like the Public Health Association, Catholic Social Justice Council, Caritas, Ox, Oxfam, ActionAid, um, the Australian Conservation Foundation and other environment organisations. So we're quite a broad church, but we all subscribe to those principles. Um, and I, we support fair trade products, a number of our members like Oxfam promote them and sell them. But this is only a small percentage of global trade. So what we're trying to do is advocate for changes to the global trade system so that the majority of products will, in the end, um, be based on better principles. Um, and you probably heard this week the news about the Trump trade wars and Brexit, and I just want to say that our fight for fair trade has nothing in common with Trump or Boris Johnson or Pauline Hanson. Um, we're not against trade um, and we reject both um, the extreme, what we would call neoliberal trade deals on the one hand, but we also reject unilateral tariffs and um, the erection of discrimination, discriminatory immigration policies or ba based on fear and, and building walls. Because obviously that's not going to improve people's lives and ultimately will bolster militarism and the danger of wars. So um, what I want to talk about today in particular is how um, this new trade deal, the um, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, they're all called partnerships these days, the impacts it might have on workers' rights and other aspects of our lives. And um, I'm going to also use some examples from the TPP um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is already in force. Now, one of the things that makes trade agreements so difficult to deal with is that they negotiated in secret, but they legally bind lower tariffs levels and other rules on investment and government regulation into the future. So once they're signed, they're difficult to undo. They used to be mainly about reducing tariffs on taxes or taxes on imports, but the new generation of trade agreements, particularly over the last 20 years, has really expanded into a whole lot of what they call non-tariff or other trade barriers. So these can restrict democratic regulation on things like the price of medicine by giving longer monopolies to pharmaceutical companies. That means 
that it takes longer for cheaper medicines to become available. Um, they can impact on regulations on environment and on working conditions. All issues that are normally decided through a democratic open process through Parliament, but they are now being secretly traded off in trade deals. And we don't see the details until after the deal is done. Parliament only gets to vote on the implementing legislation right at the end of the process, not on the whole agreement. It's a cabinet process up until that point. And there are no independent studies done of um, economic, environment, health or uh, labour or gender impacts. So, and they tend to treat regulation in general as if it were a tariff. You freeze it at a certain level and then it shouldn't be increased in the future. Now, when you think about they're designed to lock in government. Now, when you think about that in terms of um, regulating, say, public or essential services or even labour rights, uh, that's crazy, uh, and the environment. So we need new forms of regulation to reduce greenhouse gases in response to climate change and to change the rules if we want to improve our labour laws and to prevent the exploitation of uh, temporary workers, which Alison has just talked about. Um, the way these trade agreements are enforced is through government-to-government -government dispute processes. That means that one government can lodge a dispute with um, a panel about the other government and um, they can end up with trade sanctions if they have broken the rules. But recent trade agreements have an extra um, set of provisions which actually gives special extra legal rights to individual foreign corporations or global corporations. So they can sue a government for millions of dollars, claim compensation, if there's a change in law or policy which they can argue has harmed their investment. Um, and uh, this is, uh, I'll, I'll go into this a bit more um, later, but really this is giving extra legal powers to corporations to sue governments when they already have enormous market power and influence on governments. So just to talk briefly about the two P TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, have people heard of that? Do you remember it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, basically, um, it was negotiated up until um, from 2011 to 2018, and it's now in force for seven of 11 countries after the US withdrew. It expanded corporate rights in the ways I'm, I've been talking about at the expense of workers and communities. It did have those special rights um, for corporations to sue governments in it. But it also had other provisions um, like entrenching medicine monopolies and opening up essential services to private investment. The one I want to focus on is that it included increases in the numbers of temporary workers from six of the TPP countries. Now when you think about it, this is treating workers like commodities. It's saying that um, you know, you give us, we'll let you have so many temporary workers if you give us more access for our wheat or sugar or beef into your countries. So workers become an, a traded item in trade agreements. And also, although it had chapters on labour rights and environment, they were very weak and they weren't enforceable as the same, in the same way as the rest of the agreement. So, um, the this new agreement that is still being negotiated, the TPP is already in force, but the new one that's coming up is the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the <coughs> RCEP. 
that's still in negotiation, we still have time to expose what's in it and to um, campaign against the bad provisions in it. Now, this, this one is actually bigger than the TPP. The TPP ended up with 11 countries and it was 13, 1-3% of global trade. The RCEP is 16 countries, including some of the largest in the world. So it's India, China, Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, and the 10 ASEAN countries. So that includes Indonesia, Thailand, etc. So it's much bigger than the TPP, covering half the world's population and about 30% of global trade. And like all trade agreements, the text is actually secret while it's being negotiated, but we do have some leaked documents and um, reports um, in, we monitor the, not only the Australian media, but other media. So we do know that it does have many of the bad provisions that were in the TPP. So it does have investor rights to sue governments and it does have proposals for increased number of temporary workers whom we know are so vulnerable um, from Alison's talk. And it's worse than TPP in the sense that it has no chapters at all on labour rights or environmental standards. So it's actually, um, there's no obligations at all, not even weak ones, on governments to abide by those sorts of um, rights and standards. So just to talk about the, how the RCEP could affect labour rights um, in general, and this is um, true of all extreme neoliberal trade agreements, um, what they basically do is argue that um, if you increase, if, if you, sorry, if you reduce all tariffs and non-tariff barriers, and remember Australia already has very low tariffs, so we don't have many tariffs to trade on, um, in a globalised competitive market, this will eventually raise living standards for all. It's a sort of global version of the trickle-down standards. Now, trade can improve people's lives, and improving, improving trade can improve people's lives. But under these agreements, they're giving so much power to global corporations that they're really reducing rights for workers. So, um, what happens is that you get a model of global production chains that encourage governments to compete with others for the lowest possible um, working conditions and um, environmental standards. So, um, and in the RCEP, there's no obligation at all on governments to put any restraints on that. Um, and if you look at um, the proposals about the um, increased numbers of vulnerable temporary workers. Um, again, we've heard a lot about that from Alison, but I just want to make the point that if you put those provisions into a trade agreement, we're campaigning here to change those conditions, to um, make that, to, to first of all say that um, like permanent migrants, um, everyone should have the right, the same rights as, as at work as other Australians. That's what happens when you're a permanent migrant. What governments have been doing is increasing the numbers of temporary workers, decreasing the numbers of permanent migrants, increasing the numbers of temporary workers. They're now between 800,000 and over a million in Australia on all different types of visas, uh, and they're vulnerable to exploitation. But if you put that into a trade agreement, it makes it very difficult 
to actually, for, for future governments, to undo those sorts of processes. Of course, we're campaigning to have um, better conditions for um, all workers, but particularly to say that temporary work, work should be reserved, temporary work visas should only be used for genuine temporary skill shortages, and that other workers who come to Australia should have the same rights as everyone else in Australia. And of course we've had all the recent examples here in the Blue Mountains, um, the uh, George Columbaris restaurants and the fruit and vegetable farm examples just very recently. So Australia is a, a country built on immigration and we want to have, we want to preserve that immigration but we believe it should be based on permanent rather than exploitative temporary workers and they shouldn't, certainly these things shouldn't be put into a trade agreement which is difficult to um, change in the future. So um, I'll just briefly mention the um, rights, increased rights. What, what the temporary work provisions and trade agreements do is basically increase the power of employers, as Alison said, over individual workers. But there's also these provisions that actually give more power to global corporations to sue governments. You probably are familiar with the fact that the Philip Morris Tobacco Company sued Australia over our plain packaging law. And it took five years um, for Australia to win that case. It took another two years to find out how much it cost. And Australia, even though it won comprehensively, didn't get, it cost 24 million, they only got $12 million back. So these, um, there have been lots of cases against environmental laws to, um, uh, in relation to mining. There have been um, cases uh, won by mining companies who didn't respect the rights of indigenous people to be consulted about their um, use of land. Um, there have been ca cases against um, labour laws as well. The Veolia Company has sued the uh, government of Egypt over a contract dispute in which they were claiming compensation for a rise in the minimum wage. So um, when you think about that, and there's another um, US mining company that's suing Canada because the province of Alberta has actually uh, restrained, has actually decided to phase out coal mining and um, have um, alternative energy sources for their power. Um, so if you think about that, what is happening here is that global corporations are suing governments over progressive legislation that has been won by communities, by community struggle, by the labour movement, by the environment movement, and that is being undermined by extra legal powers that have been given to these corporations in trade agreements. So I want to finish by saying what can we do about it? We're campaigning uh, on this uh, RCEP agreement um, to keep bad proposals like the ones I've outlined out, out of that trade agreement. Um, including keeping um, out the right of investors to sue and temporary the increased numbers of temporary workers. Um, we recently joined with 52 of our member organisations to write to the Trade Minister explaining um, exactly what we don't want in the agreement and there were negotiations in Melbourne where we held public meetings and demonstrations around the negotiations. Um, and a lot of unions and community groups signed that letter. Um, so we're also campaigning 
for the release of the negotiating text before it's signed and for independent evaluation of those um, of the impacts of the agreement before it's signed. Not only on the economy, but on labour, um, the environment and the other social impacts. Um, so, one good piece of news about the RCEP is that some of the key governments in it, like the Indian government and some of the um, ASEAN uh, governments like Indonesia, are opposed to some of these proposals as well, particularly on medicine monopolies, which I mentioned, but also at foreign investors being able to sue governments because they have actually been sued under similar rules in other agreements. And so they may not reach agreement soon, but they uh, are aiming to reach agreement by the end of the year. So um, you can go to our website, aftinet.org.au, and sign a petition, um, which we're going to present to the Senate. We've also got hard copies here if you want to um, sign it today. And um, there's this small leaflet about the RCEP, which could you be addressed at our website, and um, we're asking you to use that to sign the petition. And if you want to join AFTINET, I've got membership forms um, here. We not only have um, organisation individual uh, membership, but we have individual membership as well. So thank you very much, and I hope that you can take some action with us um, to stop these bad decisions in the RCEP. Thanks very much.